Welcome to the Nach Daily, a Congregation Ahavas Torah initiative. Today, we are focused on the second perek of Sefer Shoftim, which is constructed in a bit of an odd way. It can be a little tricky to follow. It opens with an unnamed malach, perhaps that means, I mean, literally it means a messenger, someone carrying the message of Hashem. It might refer to a navi, to a prophet, and it could refer to an actual angel delivering the message of, uh, of Hashem. And it's a message, whether it's a prophet or an angel, let's assume it's a prophet, uh, it's a message of rebuke for the nation. The prophet says that the nation has erred in creating peace treaties with the Canaanite population, which al- with allowing the Canaanite population to stay in the land. And uh, that's the process that we saw unfold in the previous parak. The people hear this rebuke and respond in a kind of ideal fashion. They're repentant. They cry, they call out to Hashem, and then they offer sacrifices, r- representing uh, a return to Hashem and a, uh, a move towards tshuva. When exactly this takes place, this, this little narrative is not so clear. It seems like it's uh, a reference to what happens in the time of Devorah, but it's obvious that it's quite out of place, and it's here for a very deliberate reason, which we're going to unpack in a moment. After we get this little anecdote, this little story, suddenly we're back to Yehoshua. So if you were sad at the end of Sefer Yehoshua, when Yehoshua passes away, we get one more encounter with him at the end of his life. We're told he sends the people uh, to settle their respective lands. And so long as Yehoshua and his generation were living, the people stayed loyal to Hashem, to God. But once they pass away once Yehoshua and his generation are no longer living, the next generation strays from Hashem. And then, with that background, we are introduced to the kind of classic Shoftim cycle, which comprises sin, followed by the Bnei Israel being punished by Hashem, which is uh, carried out vis-a-vis the surrounding non-Israelite neighbors attacking and tyrannizing the Bnei Israel. That, in turn, sparks a calling out, a crying out from the Bnei Israel who are suffering. Hashem sends a shofate who restores order and peace. And then in time, the people slide back into idol worship, and the cycle repeats itself. Sin, followed by punishment, followed by the shofate, etc. So the Perek is this strange uh, overall uh, unit. It jumps around wildly in terms of the timing, in terms of the chronology, and also it's lacking in names. All things here seem to be uh, de-identified. We have the Malach, we have this messenger, this Navi, that is, uh, we're, we're not told who he is, and we have the, a Shofate who's going to save them from an enemy, which is also unnamed, and so that's one weird component. So the two components here that make this parak strange is the chronology and also the lack of names. And I think that we can account for these unique features of the perek if we understand that it is presenting us with two archetypal narratives, two contrasting paradigms of Jewish leadership. The first is the classic paradigm of the Navi, of the prophet. The people sin in some way. The Navi comes, confronts the people, and in the best case scenario, this catalyzes sincere repentance. That's the first archetype that we encounter in this parak. Then we are given a different paradigm. 
and, in a sense, are introduced to the paradigm of the Shofet. In this context, the Bnei Israel have fallen so far, they've fallen to such great depths, that they, they are no longer able to have the traditional Navi, or at least I'll say they're not yet able to have the traditional Navi. Because the traditional Navi, as we just saw, comes and chastises the Bnei Israel for a particular behavior, and then the, and then the nation repents. But in the context of the Shofet, the people have abandoned Hashem altogether. They're worshiping idols. And as a result, they're going to be punished. Even if the Shofet would, tr- would try to be a, a kind of broader corrective and, and try to bring them back, we're, we're told, V'gam el Shoftehem lo shameu. The people are so far gone, they won't even take heed of the shoftim, i.e. the Navi model won't work for this generation. Instead, we have a shofet, who helps drive back the enemy for a bit, but will do little to fundamentally address the issue. And thus, once the shofet dies, things inevitably turn south and return to a cycle of sin. In that way, I think the Perek is implicitly meant to give us an account of who the Shofet is. What, what is this? What's the role of the Shofet? And how is the role of the Shofet different than that of the Prophet? Just as important as who the Shofet is, is who the Shofet is not. The Shofet is not the Navi. And the reason for that is that this generation is not worthy of having a Navi. It's a very sad picture, and it's actually interesting how the very first pasuk in this parak kind of poetically gestures at this idea that, that there's a descent, uh, a far fall that this, that this generation experiences. We're told, Vaya'al malach Hashem min ha-gilgal el ha-bochim. The messenger, this prophet, or this angel, goes from Gilgal to Bochim. And I think that those two markers, that trajectory, is really loaded. There's a lot of meaning there. Gilgal was the very first place the Bnei Israel camp upon entering the land. It's a time full of hope, a time when the nation was unified and unified by a great mission and by their loyalty to Hashem. And from there, the messenger goes to Bochim, from Gilgal to Bochim. Bochim, of course, means tears. It means crying. It reflects sadness. Clearly, this pasuk is ominous, and it's a harbinger of the descent uh, of the nation, a nation that would only merit shoftim, and for the most part, not neviim. That's it for today. Chazak ve'ematz, and happy learning.